As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Hey all, it's Aaron here. Wanted to give you a heads up about this episode. It is a series of unfortunate events. Uh, Lemony Snickets must be nearby because we had technical difficulty after technical difficulty in both the live recording of this uh, as well as the audio version too. So I just wanted to give you a heads up that the audio you hear may change throughout this episode depending on what we were able to capture locally and then through the live broadcast as well still wanted to get you an episode this week so that you can have it uh but wanted you to know you may hear a few differences in the audio thanks as always for sticking around with us and being patient when these kind of things happen and here you go live from a bunker in the heart of the ozarks a podcast that promises that's pie all over our face it's sif I promise. I promise it's pie. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most weekends or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he accepted my friend request. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Andrew Ormsby. Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Uh, welcome to Sif Pop Weekly uh, live on your video feed if you're watching live video. Or in your audio feed if you're a subscriber to the podcast. Either way, thank you for joining us once again. My understanding is on the video side of things, I might be a little pixelated today. I apologize if that's the case. Uh, you know, an evening recording, who knows what's going on in my house. My kids, you know, they've got the internet probably doing something with it. And uh, it's really it's really causing problems. I, I really think at the end of the day, kids are the issue here. Never have kids. I think that's the, mm. the lesson uh, that, that we all should learn from this one. How you doing, man? Aaron, I've been telling you for years. <laughs> no, I'm doing good. I was I nope, was doing way, real good. Uh, I was way done having kids by the time we met. So uh so yeah, I unfortunately didn't get yeah. that didn't get that memo soon enough. <laughs> that's that's fine. Uh no, I'm doing good. Uh apologies for doing this broadcast on a Monday instead of our normal time on Sunday. 
my computer decided, nope, we need to be new and improved right now, whether you want to or not. So those windows my updates, computer was man. stuck in an out. Yeah. They'll, they'll get you every time. And this was a big one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I got to go in my settings and uh, try and see if there's like a scheduled time that it has and make it not whenever we're broadcasting. <laughs> That's true. That's a good point. Usually we do this uh, We do this Sunday afternoons at 1.30 Central Time if you want to tune into the live show. Um, and today we're doing it on a Monday evening at uh, 6 p.m. Central Time. So maybe people watching right now that don't usually get to watch on a Sunday afternoon. You know, you never know. So if so, welcome. Yeah. We appreciate you having you here. Uh, appreciate having you here. So uh, thank you for that. We've got a, uh, a fun show. <laughs> Fun, fun show. Just a very uplifting movies this week uh, that we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Uh, Devil All the Time and uh, Social Dilemma, both on Netflix, came out uh, within the last couple weeks. Uh, and we want to touch base on those a little bit. Of course, we've got uh, the buried treasure at the end. We've got an interesting best ever challenge this week on Tom Holland movies. Uh, there, you know, there's a few there to choose from. I think we can each come up with a, a top five, but it's not like he's been making movies forever. Um, so that'll yeah. be a fun one to do. Um, but we're going to kick it off, uh, with a re, uh, re I almost said we're going to kick it off with some, uh, do we care? And then Andrew would freak out and be like, what, what? There's no, do we care? Although the yeah. Emmys were last <laughs> Every night. Every single week. I scare <laughs> the- <laughs> uh, the Emmys were last night and Jay says, what did you guys think of the Emmys last night? Honestly, I did not watch. Um, so I don't have any yeah. like opinions on the broadcast. I know they did things a little bit differently. I did see that Shit's Creek won a ton of stuff, which I think is really cool because that show is hilarious. Um, so uh, that's that's one um, that I did see. I also saw Zendaya won an Emmy last night, which is kind of cool. So yeah, some cool stuff going on that I at least heard about. But yeah, I didn't really didn't really pay close attention uh, to what was going on uh, with the Emmys last night. So what did you did you see anything that I didn't mention, Andrew? I did not know the Emmys were last night. Yeah, that is just, that's <laughs> so, how crazy this week it has been. Uh, it definitely has been that. Yeah. Uh, you ready to get into it then? Yeah. All right, let's let's uh, let's kick it off with a review of The Devil All the Time. How and why people from two points on a map without even a straight line between them can be connected is at the heart of our story and knock them stiff. You ever think about how we ended up orphans living in the same house? I know what my daddy did. Some people would say it's just dumb luck. You take pictures? I do. I see a smile pretty enough to photograph, that is. Others would tell you it was God's plan. A young man is devoted to protecting his loved ones in a town full of corruption and sinister characters. Technically, I think that should say two towns full of corruption and sinister characters. Yeah. Recently out on Netflix stars a lot of people you're going to know. Tom Holland's in there. Robert Pattinson's in there. Um, lots lots of others as well that we can go through as we kind of talk about this. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah, yeah. Some interesting people and... I guess interesting movie, but let's talk about it. What did you think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I'm going to go low side of liked it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'm just going to go on the... I think I'm going to go ahead and push the needle just slightly to the high side of it was okay. Um, I It's hard for yeah. me to say I liked this we're movie. Right, uh, so we're, it, we're really close to each other. Yeah, tell me some of your thoughts. What are some of your thoughts? Man, this movie loves exhibition. Like, <laughs> from beginning to end, this entire movie just feels like it's exhibition yeah. for a story that n- never happened. It's like, yeah. we got to get through this 
this and this and this and this and this. Are you, okay, now we can get to the movie. Oh, wait, credits. <laughs> are you talking uh, exposition? Because you said exhibition, which it also loves exhibition, but uh, but exp- exposition, it's it's all narration. That's what and, I meant. I yeah, meant telling, exposition. Yeah. Exposition. Well, it's interesting. I wouldn't even brought it up except for the fact that like exhibition, it's also a, like it, it has this way of like, here, let me show you graphically these things that i want to show you you know it's it's very much that kind of movie as well so uh that didn't uh necessarily seem out of place to me so i wanted to clarify but you're absolutely right this is a movie that is you can tell is very much in love with the book that it was based on i'm guessing now i haven't read the book but i'm guessing a lot of that exposition a lot of that narration comes from the beautiful way this book was worded and i will say that for the narration it is very beautiful it's very poetic very interesting, but yeah, I, I totally, totally agree that this, as a movie, feels overly narrated, uh, and that's that's always a, yeah. a sticking point for me. So, what else? Yeah, there's even points, like literally it's narrated, uh, there is a narrator for the movie, um, but there's parts of the movie where uh, somebody will say, oh boy, and then you'll hear the narrator go, he said... <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I don't need you, I, just I don't need you to tell it. me... Yeah, I watched him say that, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, I think the movie uh, is trying to do kind of something you would see in a uh, a spider web, you know, movie like yes. uh, like Crash or mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's Magnolia or, or any of those where it's like mm-hmm. this affected this and this affected this. But there aren't enough of those, you know, uh, coincidental moments to make it feel necessary like uh like towards the beginning of this movie there's a bunch and i'm like oh okay but they don't really impact what i think the meat and potatoes of the movie or the uh, the chicken liver and potatoes of this movie is <laughs> you know and i'm like okay um but yeah it's fun to know all that stuff in the beginning but it doesn't really you know emphasize or you know increase my enjoyment of like the main story that I'm watching. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It, it is interesting to talk about the connecting points in this one. I think you are right. And yet at the same time, I almost appreciated it. Now I'll, I'll try to explain a little bit. The, you are correct that there aren't as many connecting points as you might see in a movie like crash. There aren't as many random occurrences where people cross paths and you're like, Oh, that person's this connection to that person. And, and that kind of thing. But the difference with this one is that the connecting points almost seem more realistic. They almost like the the story has a way of you understanding the relationship to these characters, the intricate way that they find themselves involved in each other's life in a way that seems uh, more accurate to me. It, It feels more like an actual story than a lot of those movies do. And because of that, didn't feel quite as forced to me. So it was a connecting point movie that felt more legitimate. I think because it was scaled down like you're talking about. So I think you're seeing like the negative points of scaling it down that way and maybe I see more of the positive points of scaling it down. The movie's problems for me didn't have to do with uh misusing the connecting points. It had more to do with misusing its theme, with misusing uh you know kind of what it was trying to say. Um that stuff didn't land for me uh quite a bit but I actually kind of liked the way it introduced its characters and then brought them back to us. I thought that actually worked okay. Andrew, anything else you wanted to to mention before I kind of go into some of my stuff? Anything else that stood out to you? Uh, uh I 
do want to say I think the performances all around are uh, good. They're not great. I think that like uh, English actors in this movie, like Robert Pattinson and Tom Holland, are really leaning into a cliched over you know yes uh, ridiculous uh appellation you know yes stereotypes accent yes yeah it is it might be my worst my least favorite thing about the movie is how how stereotyped and again we live in the ozarks right uh and it's just I, i know people like that exist certainly during that time people like that existed but it's really laid on thick, and it just it got to yeah. be a little bit uh, uh, caricature instead of character uh, at times. So yeah, I really didn't like that. Um, and pa- I yeah, thought Pattinson- Tom Holland's trying to do spl- sling blade. Yeah, and it's, yeah. It's weird. And I thought Pattinson was fine. I thought it was it was performance wise, he's always great. But I just think I just think he buttered it on too thick. I just think it was yeah. It just didn't work for me. So yeah, I agree, totally agree yeah. with that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, get into whatever you felt about it, you know? I, I think this is one of those movies that is going to, for me, be difficult to find myself investing in simply because it is such a movie about the basest base part of the human experience. Uh, what I mean by that, and without spoiling anything, I don't think we need to do a sift spoil on this because really... Uh, nah. A SIF spoil would just be listing all the horrible ways this movie interacts with itself. When I say horrible, I don't necessarily mean the process of interacting with itself. I mean the actual things that are happening on the screen. You know, murders that are happening, uh, yeah. uh, suicides, other things. Just honestly, the darkest parts of humanity are Rough. on full display here. And that's a difficult yeah. one for me. I'm not saying it's not necessary sometimes. And I'm not saying it can't lead to... Um, an exploration of important thematic things that we need to think about, that we need to talk about, that we need to understand. But this movie didn't, and probably this book, didn't really seem interested in living above those things. It seemed interested in living inside those things. And that's tough mm. for me and and not necessary for me, at least in this experience. So I had a I had a rough experience with it just because I'm like, really? Do we have to do this too? Did we have did this character have to end up this way? It's just like and at the end, at the end of the the movie, I think it's trying to give us some hope. Like I, I do think there's a at the end it's like, you know, uh, I guess uh, success, good, something happens and you're like, okay, but it, it but it's still just the darkest form of that, the darkest version of that that you, yeah. you can imagine. And, uh, man, I just, it's just not where I want to live for over two hours, two hours and 20 minutes or however long this movie is. And, uh, no, not at all. It's, it's so that, that to me makes it difficult to say, yay, I like this movie. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. having, but having said that, I think it is well crafted. I really do. I think there's some, some really well done things here with the way this story relates to itself. One of the things that sounded to me like it was a negative for you, uh, the uh, underuse of the interconnectedness of the characters, I really think was kind of the main positive for me. I really thought the story was told well. I never felt lost. I never felt confused. I knew who related to who and how they did. And when the information was revealed about a new connection, it made sense to me. And so I, I felt like the story took me on a cohesive ride. It just wasn't a ride I enjoyed. So... Um, so for me, that's kind of the experience I I had. And so that's why I kind of land just barely on the, 
the high side of it was just okay is just as, just to recognize that there's there's some some excellence in the craft here. I, it's just not a movie I could recommend because I just didn't enjoy it. I just didn't have a good time with it. So, yeah, um, I'm right there with you. There's the way this movie interacts with itself. Going back to this whole spiderweb crash mm-hmm. magnolia kind of style. Um, it did it enough to where I felt that's the kind of movie it wanted to be, but it didn't do it enough to where I'm, I felt like, okay, you're not committing to this type of storytelling. Mm-hmm. You're kind of dipping your toe in it, and it's, I don't want to say annoying, but it feels hacky, I guess. Like, oh, look who just walked by who. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure, that's going to come up later, you know, and, but... If you look at movies like Crash, which I really love, and uh, I know a lot of people don't, right? But those interactions mean something. Those walking by somebody who affects them later on in life, it means something. This movie just has coincidental interactions for the sake of coincidental interactions. I mean, there's a few in here that are, um, you know, meaningful. And like they 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 lead to something later on, but a couple of them are like, if I didn't know this, uh, my experience in the movie would not have changed. Yeah, you yeah. know. So yeah, I think maybe we're just that, that was mainly my main issue with that. Yeah, I think I think we may just come down on opposite sides of of that. Um, I mm. because I think I think I understand what you're saying is that there isn't enough to the connections for them to be like a really cool moment for you or to or not even just that but what i hear you saying is it didn't it didn't mean anything that they connected in this way it didn't yeah. have an impact on their stories beyond just this was part of both of their stories and i think i understand what you're saying and again think maybe that's why i liked it a little bit more is because that felt more authentic to me that that felt more real the interactions we have with people you know aren't you know as much as in in Crash, which I I don't enjoy like you do, which is fine. You know, everybody yeah. has their own movies. No, I, I, hey, but, you're you're in the majority on that. Even though the movie won Best Picture, you're in the majority <laughs> on that. The the stuff in Crash feels so forced to me. It, it just feels like yes, those things are could be powerful or, but they're just they just feel so manufactured. That's the word I'm looking for. Everything in a mm. movie like Crash feels very manufactured. In this movie, I didn't feel things were manufactured. I felt like they were just connected. Um, but again, we you know we can just agree to disagree uh, on that part of it. Yeah. Um, who would you say was the best performance in this movie? Uh, I guess <laughs> Robert Pattinson. Did, what did you think or, of Jason Clark's performance? It was fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. he 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 was one tone the entire movie like he knew what his character was and there were no layers to it it was just i'm this i'm bad you know and yeah. uh actually who played his wife you, you um, can look that up but you're touching on exactly what i wanted to touch on which is that i came out of this movie not knowing who i thought the best performance was because all the performances in this are so right there one note stereotypical and if yeah. for a movie that actually i thought was crafted fairly well it surprised me that when i looked back i wasn't like oh yeah that one performance really stood out above the rest 
And the way you describe Jason's Clark performance is is kind of how I would describe almost everybody's performance in this movie. It just feels very one note. There's not a lot of texture to it. There's not a lot of nuance to it. There's, you know, the very basic ideas of nuance, which is that even bad characters have something good about them, although really not that much in this one. Um, yeah, so I think uh, Riley Q, who who plays uh, right his uh, wife, I think that she was the most layered character. Even though I saw two layers, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but hey, yeah, that's more than what I got from everybody else. And it's I don't know if it's performances or just they're limited by what the script gives them. You know, yeah. like I don't know if it's like they just. I don't want to say that they were phoning it in because there's a scene with uh, Robert Pattinson and Tom Holland that's uh, uh, gripping, you know, you're, you're, you're fascinated and you're locked into what's going on. But since we only see one side of these characters, it's not like we're having a moral dilemmas or anything like that. Yeah. We're just like, yeah, just, yeah, okay, what happens here? And I know what's going to happen here. Yeah, let's let's move on. Speaking of let's move on, let's move on. Um, hey! I, <laughs> I would say that there is... Uh, I, I would not recommend this to most people. There are some discerning people that I would say, hey, maybe you want to check this out. Uh, the more I talk about mm-hmm. it, the more I kind of lean even closer to the low side of it was okay. Um, yeah, it's just, this is not one I'm ever going to revisit. Um, and it's hard for me to oh, really no. find those places. Uh, and what's, what's hilarious is... The one thing, I, the only thing I really liked, which is the way it interconnects these characters, is something you didn't like. So even the thing I liked is, you know, possibly not going to work for everybody. So yeah, um, so yeah, I, I would not recommend this movie. I'll throw out a, one last uh, pro before we move on, Go and for that's it. that I think that this movie does a really good job of making this world, the actual world that they live in, seem real and authentic. Yeah. Like I yes. think the set design, I think that you know the uh, the uh, the uh, what do you call it the the costuming, you know I think that all that was really well done. It made the era of when this took place seem legitimate. It looked like it was the early 1960s or 50s, leading into the 60s, really. Yes, because uh, this movie does span over a course of time. I I 100% agree. I think that's what I was trying to say when I was talking about the craft of the movie. The craft of the movie just feels really mm. well done uh, and, and yeah. well made. And I think that's that's well worth pointing out. The only thing I didn't really talk about that I guess I will just briefly before we move on, it'll be my one, one last thing, uh, is the way this movie interacts with religion is fascinating to me and in general is something that will always catch my eye when I'm watching movies, catch my ear. But the way it deals with themes about uh, pleasing God, the idea of sacrifice, the idea of prayer, all these things are uh, interlaid into this cynical look at how humans do religion that honestly, I don't know that I can disagree. It's not like it offended me. It's just, it's one of those things, again, about this movie that's so dark and cynical, and you just go, you know, not everybody treats the mystery of of God and religion in this way. Um, and that's another part of kind of the one note Pattinson character. That's like, yeah, I get it. The, the preacher who has yeah. sexual hangups. Yeah. I haven't seen that before ever, you know, and I know it comes yeah. from a real place and I'm not trying to say it doesn't. I'm just saying this movie liked to revel in those stereotypes in a way that just, I don't know. It just didn't feel like it worked. 
So that yeah. was the other. Uh, the religious there, there aspect moments, is worth mentioning too, I think. Yeah, there are moments where you see people using religion as a crutch for why they don't want to move on or do things. Uh, people or using doing horrible as a things. Weapon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, using yeah. it as a weapon. You know, uh, uh, I think that you're right. If there's one like big pro to take away from this movie, it's uh, seeing how different people use religion in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move on, shall we? We're going to talk a little bit about a, a documentary on Netflix. It's called The Social Dilemma. When you go to Google and type in climate change is, you're going to see different results depending on where you live and the particular things that Google knows about your interests. That's not by accident. That's a design technique. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. A lot of people think Google's just a search box and Facebook's just a place to see what my friends are doing. What they don't realize is there's entire teams of engineers whose job is to use your psychology against you. Tech experts sound the alarm on the dangerous human impact of social networking. Uh, this is a straight-up documentary uh, that Netflix uh, has released recently. And uh, it takes a look at the different social networks, how they are programmed, how they impact us. I'm really curious, Andrew, what would you think? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? I'll go with I really liked it. Nice, nice. I really liked it, yeah. Uh, you? I loved this movie. Like, loved yeah. this movie. It is competing for my favorite movie of the year. Um, mm, interesting. I This is, and maybe it just hit me at the right time, at the right place. This is a movie that says things about the way we interact with our phones that are not news. It's not news to me, a lot of what this this movie is saying. I, I knew See, a lot of thing this. Too. Uh, that's why I didn't go straight into love it. I'm like, we've been saying this forever, and right. now we just have... We'd have Silicon Valley uh, backing up everything we've been saying. Right. So I knew a lot of this stuff before, and yet the way this was presented, for some reason, broke through my weird, stubborn defenses enough to go, hey, maybe take a look at yourself. You know, maybe take a look at how you interact with your notifications, how you interact with the way your phone uses you. And I came out of it really changed by this documentary in a way to say look my phone is the tool i am not the tool <laughs> my my phone is the the thing i'm supposed to be using to accomplish things and why am i letting it use me why am i why am i letting my phone deter you know change my behavior make me do certain things um give me a, a dopamine hit so that i'll you know investigate an app or all those kind of things again I know this. I've heard it before, but for whatever reason, seeing it in this movie really brought it home to me. And I really believe it's because it is so well constructed. The narrative of this documentary just coming straight from all these uh, Silicon Valley types who have invented different parts of what we know of how our social media works. The way these interviews are interlaid together in the process of learning uh, how it happens and why it happens and all of this stuff. Um, he's really well done. I think this is supremely constructed documentary work, and I think that's part of the reason it it worked so well uh, on me and communicating a message to me. It, it's 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 changed the way I interact with my phone. Uh, I completely shut off my notifications except for my text messages, and uh, and I, I've survived that for the you know the the day or two that I've done that. And it's it's 
you can do it. And it, it's one of those things that I, I have enjoyed <laughs> uh, not being tied to, oh, there's another email. Let me deal with this now. Now I just go to my email like I used to every once in a while on my laptop and I take care of my emails. Um, so, man, I just it, it really impacted the way I'm I'm living. So this this one is is one of those that I go, yeah, I think that's a really well-made movie, but I'm probably even rating it higher because it meant so much to me personally. And we'll see how that lasts or how that, you know, is yeah. is affecting lasting change, but but for now, it's really impacted the way I live my life. So that's that's a big deal for me. And that's what the per- that, yeah, that's what the purpose of the documentary is is to shine a light. And like we've said or you've said mainly is this is things that we've already known, but just hearing it out loud and spoken to us in such a way hits and impacts us just that much more to make us take it that much more seriously. Uh, I think that the big thing that you and I are going to disagree on just based solely on what um, I heard from you is uh, the narrative of this documentary. And I think for me, it's, it's kind of a con, but I, uh, it's liter- there's the literal stories being told about you know, the family and how they interact with social media and stuff like that. And uh, how, and then there's, you know, there's visualizations of the AI played by uh, the Madman dude, uh, you know, inside the computer mm-hmm. or the phone, you yep. know, you know, pinging and, you know, making this kid pick up his phone all the time. That, for me, was a little too much in the sense that everything that the person or from Silicon Valley, uh, you know, the tech giant, I'm just going to call them tech giants. Sure. Uh, every single time that the tech giant would uh, explain something, we had to have this repeated to us by a vis- visualization of, you know, going on within the, uh, you know, the story arc. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, it felt like uh, you're just repeating every single thing that the person just said. I personally don't need to have a visual aid with what you're telling me. Yeah. Uh, if if anything, you could have you don't have to show me these tech giants talking all the time. If you want to tell me this narrative story, then either make a movie or have the tech giants talk over what is going on in this narrative, mm. as opposed to having the tech giant go and then the story just repeating or acting out exactly what they just said. I felt like, oh, man, this this documentary could have been shorter, and I would have gotten literally the same amount of information if you just cut out the story arc. I'm not saying that it was badly acted or anything. Uh, I mean, it's not going to win any Oscars for acting, but um, uh, I, it just felt unnecessary, if that makes sense. I do disagree with that. Um, I yeah, will say of the two of the two things you mentioned, the, you're right. This movie does two separate cutaway emphasis uh, themes. One is the here's what's going on inside your phone, and here's a visual representation of the algorithms your phone uses to make sure that you aren't disconnected from it and that it can get advertising out of you, you know, through these social networks. That's one. And then you've got this family, right, that's going about their daily life, how it's interacting, you know, with them, how they're doing things. Um, that didn't I didn't need that as much as the stuff inside the phone I thought was was really good because it allowed me to visualize something I never actually visualized before. So that I really like that part of it. 
The the reason I think the family part of it still does work though is because there's an emotional part of actually seeing a family go through this stuff that I don't think isn't as resonant uh, in just interviews. You know, interviews are very dry. They're informational. They're still powerful. It still meant something. But when you bring the family into it and you kind of see it in front of you, uh, there's a moment where he is kind of giving into um, these these ads that are uh, political in nature, and he ends up at a you know a, a thing that's going on and a rally, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, rally of some sort. That kind of stuff. I think is is allows for some emotion to be in there that wouldn't necessarily uh, be in there otherwise. So, um, so yeah, I I think they're both fine, uh, but I like the inside the phone stuff a little bit more. Yeah, I, I, if I had to choose one aspect of it that I did like over another, it would be that. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, any other thoughts? Uh, have you dropped any social medias after watching this? I am solely uh, a Twitter person. I had already deleted uh, my Facebook. Um, you know, we have a Facebook for Sif Pop, but mm-hmm. I had deleted my personal Facebook. Um, I s- still had Instagram, I think, and Reddit maybe. Um, but yeah, I just I just deleted all those apps uh, so that they're not on my phone anymore. The only social app on my phone now is Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Did it change the way you use your phone at all? Uh, not really, uh, because I don't really have social media. But I do. Uh, it did remind me. It brought me back to whenever I originally quit YouTube, because you know the the pressure and anxiety of it all just got mm-hmm. to me. It was because of things that they're talking about in this documentary, and they hit yeah. on you know the uh, the mental health aspect of you know what a social media and a screen addiction can do to you and stuff because i was making you know two three videos a day and uh you know checking my phone all the time to make sure i was up to date on everything so if i needed to make a new video then i could and uh, it just got to be way too much for me and i let it go on way too long and uh that's what happened to me so i know what they're talking about in this documentary is real because it happened to me yeah yeah, no, that's a good point. I, I'm I'm glad you uh, mentioned that as well. The other part of it, beyond the anxiety, beyond those kind of things that social media can impact, is how I, they say they would say over and over again, like I don't think these people are bad people. I just think they've built something that brings out the worst in humanity. So basically, the idea is the it benefits these networks to show you things that activate you. What activates you? Division activates you. Tribalism activates you. Political uh, hatred activates you. And so, you know, it continues to show you all of these things that, A, activate those worst inklings of, you know, our nature, and B, are all in the echo chamber of what we already believe. So we see things like, you know, look at this fool believing something. You look at the, you know, those kind of things. Um and I think that's very true. And I, I don't think it's an accident that, that the, the stats that they show that change right in you know, the 2011, 2012 area when social media started becoming popular, and they just show the drastic ways that, that uh, you know, depression changed, anxiety changed, division, uh, polarization in, in politics changed. You look at like they, they show you like this graph of like how people, how close people were on their, their views. And then, 
You know, it just kind of hovers there. And then in 2011, it just goes like this and everybody, yeah. you know, kind of goes to the extremes. And it's just like, I don't think that's an accident. I, I really think that these processes are changing the way we see each other. And it's just, it's, it's something, if nothing else, we need to be aware of so that we can consciously try to fight it. The, the, the movie also made a, a great point about how it's like, it's not impossible for you to use social media and do what you need to do with it, it just you have to walk uphill. You ha- you have to put a lot of effort into you know seeing what you want to see and and hearing the things that you're actually interested in. And it just most people aren't willing to put that effort into it. They're just going to see what's delivered to them. And I totally get it, but it has it has an impact. And so man, yeah, it's it was uh it was a really powerful one for me so i i would highly recommend it. i actually think it should be required viewing i think uh the the government the, yeah. uh, the the government should just be like everybody has to watch this or you're going to jail uh, i think that's how it works right take yeah. away all all freedoms and uh, make sure people watch this documentary um yeah. no i think that's it what is i good. got out I mean, of it i would recommend it yeah <laughs> yeah exactly uh all right before we move on to the best ever challenge for this week uh a huge thank you to our members uh our stiff pop members at patreon uh we appreciate you very much that's patreon.com slash pop if you want to check it out um you know we're we, you may not know this listening to the podcast but we've had like mic issues and headphone issues who knows when we're gonna have to you know buy uh, new equipment and figure stuff out but we can do a lot of that stuff because of you so thank yeah. you for that at uh, patreon.com slash pop means a lot to us uh if nothing else that you like it enough just to throw a couple bucks uh, a month our way uh, means the world to us uh thank you for for doing that especially during uh this time uh with everything that's going on um, it's very humbling to know that you would do that. So appreciate it. If you're interested, check it out. It's patreon.com slash Sifpop. All right. On to the best ever challenge, Andrew. We're going to take a look at the best ever Tom Holland movies. Uh, yep. So we're going to go number five to number one. And uh, Andrew, I'm going to let you go first. What do you got at number five? Well, I know we have the exact same list or this just probably not in the same order. <laughs> you think so? Because. <laughs> Because there's not a lot of Tom Holland movies. Okay. uh, He's a younger guy. Um, I did have a question about one where he's just a voice. Oh, yeah. I counted that one for sure. I did too. Okay. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Okay. But uh, I'll I'll start off with a movie he actually is in and does play (laughs) a really good role in. Uh, My number five is The Lost City of Z or Zed, I guess. So far, you are correct. We have the same number five. Yeah, this is a good movie. Yes. Uh, it didn't. It didn't get enough uh, praise or attention when it originally came out. Um, I think that uh, Tom Holland and Charlie Hunnam is just fascinating in this movie. Right? His uh, portrayal, yeah. you just you want to uh, you want him to succeed, even if you know the story of him. You're like, please, I oh, I just believe in you because you everything is going against you. Uh, you know, sabotage. Oh. Also, another Robert Pattinson movie. I was going to say, <laughs> if you're going to watch a Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson movie, choose this one instead this of the Devil one. All the yeah, Time. This, this is the one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is a good movie. Uh, the runtime, I, I can see how some people would feel the runtime to be a little daunting. But uh, I, when I initially watched it, I was just locked in. And I think it's great. Yeah, it's a good watch. It's definitely a good watch. As my number five as well. And since we shared number five, I guess I'll share my number four. Uh, mm-hmm. And see if we still are matching. Uh, my number four is The Impossible. 
Uh, and this is one of Tom Holland's first. Um, yeah. I have a one higher, but we can go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess uh, according to the you know the show, we should allow Trump! you to trump it. There you go. There you go. It has been trumped. Uh, all right. Uh, what do you have at number four? Well, let's talk about the impossible real quick, if you want. Okay. Since I have, sure. Yeah. Uh, this uh, this uh, I think is the very first Tom Holland movie I ever saw. Um, I think that, uh, and he was a breakout role for me when I saw this too. Um, yeah. It was him, Ewan McGregor, and uh, I almost said Natalie Portman, but it's uh, Naomi Watts. Yeah. Naomi Watts. Yeah. Um, whew, uh, he 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 likes to do story or movies about things that actually happened. And this is an incredibly powerful movie. One of the most powerful movies ever about the will of the human spirit and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, overcoming impossible odds. Honestly, yeah. Because what happened with this family and how it all turned out for him is, I think, as close to impossible as you can get. Yeah. Um, beautiful story, beautifully acted. Uh, Ewan McGregor and I think Naomi Watts just killed it in this movie. I I think she should have got a nomination for this one. I think she was so good. This is a really underseen and underrated movie, isn't it? I I feel like not enough people have seen The Impossible. It is so powerful and so in such an incredible reenactment of this tidal wave and and just everything that happened with this family, by the way, based on a true story, and yeah. Tom, Holland, you know, it's the baby tsunami Tom that Holland. hit uh, Thailand. I, I think when when Tom Holland broke big, uh, one of the first things I was like, man, I I hope that uh, that this people brings more people to the impossible because you know yeah. it's such a really really good movie. So um, it is. yeah, I, oh, I, I would I, ball, I balled the first time I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. It's heavy, really heavy good. movie. So your number four, or that was my number three. So I guess my number four now. Your number four. Yep. Uh, I'm gonna go with Onward. And I guess I'll go ahead and trump you. Okay. And then we'll talk about it for my number three. How's that? Yeah. We just we just okay. The impossible. And Onward. So we just have those. Okay. Yeah. So we yeah. had really close to the same list because I think we had the same number two and number one. I don't so. know if our number one's the same. By the way, I didn't mention that uh, that we oh, this, only one we Marvel only, movie. Only one Marvel movie from Tom Tom Holland. I should have mentioned that yeah. at the top. People are wondering like, why isn't it all Marvel? Well, you know, uh, I actually don't know that my list would be too much different. But um, but yeah, we just said one Marvel movie. I think I would take out. Yeah, maybe one. No, I don't know. I really don't. Well, think we'll talk I would. about it. We'll talk about it when we get to yeah. the Marvel stuff. But um, yeah, but yeah, Onward is great. I love Pixar. This is not uh, a surprise. Uh, you know, what? All I have to do. <laughs> if you know anything about me, you know that I am a Pixar fan, uh, and I loved this movie. I think he's perfect uh, in this film, and uh, I think Chris Pratt is perfect in this film. It's so much fun, and it's so beautiful, and it has such a great story turn at the end that I did not see coming, and that's so rare for no. me these days. And uh, and I just I loved that, and it's just such a beautiful film, and is uh, certainly one of my favorites. So yeah, love onward. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you because there were parts of this where I personally, towards the end, was going, "Oh, I did not see that coming," but it makes so much sense because mm-hmm. can we talk spoilers on onward or? 
Are we still? You like... can talk around them. I think. I, I, I mean, I don't care. Spoilers yeah. for onward. Uh, if if you need to go away for a couple yeah. seconds. Yeah. Uh, whenever he doesn't meet him at the end of the movie, and that it's his brother, mm-hmm. because yeah. that's who really needed to get to say goodbye. You know, that's mm-hmm. that. Oh, that gets me every time, man. Yeah. Um, and with every single Pixar movie, it's hilarious. It just mm-hmm. makes you giggle and laugh constantly. The yep. the van uh, galloping to its death is <laughs> it's so perfect. It's so I loved it so much. Yeah. Or the uh, the the dragon uh, with the uh, happy face was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Lots it, of great. I moments. don't. I don't think that I would put it up there with my most like emotionally impactful Disney movie or Pixar movies. I think that that's still reserved for movies like Wally or Finding Nemo or something like that. But it does fit perfectly into that, I guess you could say, the DNA of what makes a good Pixar movie, you know? Yeah. Uh, it actually is funny, but it, the emotional story and what it's trying to tell you is really what you take away from it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Awesome. Uh, all right. Number two, Andrew, what do you got? Lock. Yeah, that's what I've got at number two as well. Um, it's great. Tom Holland is a voice, a very, yep. very, very short part, but it counts. Uh, when you said uh, one of yours was audio only, I was like, well, actually, technically, two of them are audio only because oh, like because of onward he shows up in onward, but uh, yeah, but yeah, he's personified in onward. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know much you more needs to be said me, about Locke, but it's great. Yeah, if you would have told me, when did this come out? 2010, 2011, somewhere mm-hmm. around there? If you would have told me back then that watching a movie that has Tom Hardy sitting in a car calling people would be one of the most gripping and fascinating movies I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, I, I've seen, you know, movies that take place in one set location before, you know, mm-hmm. my dinner with Andre, or I don't know if you ever seen the Ryan Reynolds movie Buried. Before. Yes, I have. I actually like yeah. that movie. Yeah, I do too. Or uh, I think the big one that people remember is Phone Booth with Colin Farrell. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting to have a centralized location where the movie starts here and it ends here, and you never leave. It's just it, it's it's it, you have to have a good gripping story with an actor who understands what is being done here. Because everything in this movie, it doesn't matter if, you know, Tom Holland gives a good performance or an okay performance, you know, with his voice or any other voice actors. It's on Tom Hardy to sell you those moments. Because if he doesn't react emotionally to what Tom Holland is saying, then it it's all for naught. It's all on him. You don't see a single other person in this movie besides Tom Hardy. And it's one of the most well-acted and fascinating movies I've ever seen. It's good stuff. I echo all of that. Uh, And if you'd have told me 10 years ago that the little boy on the phone was going to be uh, Spider-Man someday, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'm I'm sure I would have believed you uh, because, of course, you would be a traveler from the future, and why wouldn't I? Um, yeah. All right, on to our I'd number one. I'd also tell you to delete your social media. <laughs> That's right. Don't do it, That's Aaron. right. Yeah. Uh, we're on to our number one. So this is where we have our Marvel selections. And you think we have mm-hmm. the same one? What is it? Uh, Infinity War? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I've got. Yeah. For some reason, I thought I, think... I thought maybe you, you liked um, 
um, Civil War better. I can't remember what it was. There was one I thought maybe you liked better than Infinity um, War. I do really like Civil War, but I think Infinity War is the best Marvel movie, period. Yeah. Um, uh, I think that uh, Endgame is the biggest spectacle of any mm-hmm. Marvel movie. Like, what's going on? Like, that final fight scene is, like, one of the coolest things in in absolutely. cinema history yeah yep but i absolutely. think the emotion i think the emotional toll on a person if it's going to come from anywhere in the mcu it's going to be from infinity war whether it be uh gamora and thanos on uh voramir or uh the snap obviously or thor arriving in wakanda is still one of my favorite moments in cinema ever you know yeah. it's it's just a great, great movie. It's so good. It's the best. It's the best Marvel movie. I, I think it is the best overall film, and uh, and it is a it is not a crowd pleaser at the end. You know, it is. That's why it's it, great. It, 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 I know. I agree. I agree. Thematically, it all works, um, and it has real consequences. And uh, yeah, I I think it's ah. one of one of the boldest. Uh, <laughs> Listen, if you live in it, what do they live in it for? Five years? Yeah. Is that right? Five years? That's real consequences. I, you know I think what I mean? You like, and I, have had, I think you and I have had this conversation with uh, Chris from uh, your cohort at CinemaSense, how he mm-hmm, was saying, yeah. well, we know that they're going to come back in Endgame. You know, it's not sure. like I'm emotionally taxed. I'm like, but that's not what matters. What matters is the characters don't know right. that they're going to be coming back in Endgame. Yes. Exactly, yeah. So... It's not like I am wondering, pondering with myself, like, oh my gosh, are they ever going to come back? No, right. no. What's going on with the characters who survived? That's who I'm interested in now. Right. That's where the empathy is. That's where you, you, you find your emotion. Yeah. You, you may know that, that Spider-Man's going to get undusted at some point. That's fine. I get it. You understand they're going to make more Spider-Man movies or, or whatever. But, yeah. you know, Tony Stark having to process, you know, that oh, he, yeah. he brought this kid in and, and held him as he turned to dust. Like, that's real. That's powerful stuff. Um, yes. I, I, I think it's incredible. I think Infinity War is, is, is the best uh, of those movies. And, uh, and so has to be my favorite Tom Holland um, Marvel movie as well. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you have any honorable mentions? I know there's not a ton else. Um, Honestly, I don't because uh, you, a lot of the other stuff was like. Uh, well, well, go ahead. Apparently, he's he's in Billy Elliot uh, a little bit or in some way. So I'm, <laughs> a, I'm, a little, I'm a little that. bit. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I know he is. You know, Billy Elliot. Uh, uh, and then uh, does he do a good in, job? In Spies in Disguise uh, is a movie that I actually think is. It's not a great movie, but it made me laugh a lot. Uh, so, you know, take that for, for what it's worth. I don't think I've heard of it. Spies in Disguise. Oh, it's wait. Was anime- that the one with him and Will Smith where he's the pigeon? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that one. Yeah. Yep. But it's funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's pretty funny. Uh, okay. All right, let's finish it out, man. What do you got for your buried treasure? Uh, there's a show that you and I, we kind of like hinted at talking about once but uh, i don't think that we ever really recommended it uh so i'm gonna go ahead and recommend now because i finally got caught up on it Uh, and that's yellowstone oh yeah tell me me about yellowstone 
Uh, have, uh, the last time we talked about it, you were thinking about picking it up, so I'm taking I still it that it. you haven't yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, the first season is really good. The second season is crazy, and the third season is really good, too. Um, I think that this is a... If you like Taylor Sheridan, which, you know, uh, Hell or High Water, or Mystic River, or... Um, let's see. He wrote Sicario, and I think he was a mm-hmm. big I forget his name, these. but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, Taylor Sheridan. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's him. He made this show. And if you like that sense, that style of him, like storytelling, then you're going to love this. I think that Kevin Costner okay. is brilliant. Imagine if like cattle ranching was run like the mafia. Mm. Yeah. And, okay. uh, it's 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 an interesting take. Like, it, I don't now that I say that and I put that in my head, I'm like, oh wait, maybe Aaron wouldn't like this because <laughs> it's not these aren't characters you're supposed to root for. You're uh, you're seeing how much they can try and get away with before they get their shortcoming, and that's okay. mainly what it is. But that's they're not the only story within this series, which I think is good because it does give you people to root for there's uh there's families that live on an indian reservation or uh there's uh you know people who are moving into bozeman montana and they have big plans and how they think that they can you know make the place better but it's these this family these cattle ranchers who own thousands of acres of like beautiful beautiful like landscape like photographic like Photoshop landscapes they own mm-hmm. and they was like, no, we're just going to keep it the way we like it. And it's the way it is. So it's, it's nice. a, it's a interesting dynamic between the cattle ranchers, the native Americans and the, I guess you could say the, the new industry moving into Montana. Okay. It's a fun show. Very well acted. Very nice. Uh, I will say uh, for the video, those watching on the video, uh, the poster that we put up for Yellowstone was very clearly not for the tv show <laughs> oh i didn't even see was, it what was it no it looked like some maybe like documentary on the like the the park or something um yep but <laughs> that's not it that's all yeah. right though so so yeah i just wanted to make sure you knew that uh my buried treasure is a youtube channel called oddly satisfying um oh. you know, it's, funny, it's funny to talk about this on the heels of social net uh not social network but the the social dilemma because a lot of what that's about is how algorithms will feed you recommendations and those kind of things and i just i went down an oddly satisfying uh rabbit hole that uh the the people in my phone were so happy with me uh for continuing to watch those videos but there's just something (laughs) what would you say um oddly satisfying uh, about watching (laughs) about watching people cut into play-doh or press things into shapes or you know, whatever. I mean, there's just so many different things and like each one comes up and you're like, yeah, that's cool and oddly satisfying. So, uh, you know, kudos to whoever took that and decided to make some money off of it because uh, you had my views for uh, a long while. And if you haven't checked out some of those videos, check one of them out. It's just, I don't know. I A lot of that stuff I just find so cool. I'm just like, wow, I, I love yeah. that. That's interesting. So anyhow, it's... Uh, it's not a movie, it's not a TV show, but it is something that uh, that I enjoyed for a while, so I thought I'd pass it along in case you might enjoy it yeah. uh, as well. 
So yeah, yeah. let that algorithm know which movie, videos you like. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, we did it, man. We we, yeah, we did through uh, you know all sorts of technological shenanigans uh, to do a podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about the other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out with us today. Andrew, always good to have you on. Thank you, buddy. Uh, huge thanks to producer Phil for producing the show. Thanks, Phil. And much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at 3 bucks a month comes with some pretty fun perks so you can check that out at patreon.com slash sift pop uh lots of ways to connect with us you can email us feedback at siftpop.com. you can uh, comment rate or leave a review at apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the podcast um and if you're having a good time your movie loving friends will probably like the show too so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than battling a million rats for all of eternity uh or watching devil all the time again uh <laughs> all right we'll be back next week with some more stuff hopefully with the technical details all sorted out and we will see you then bye bye everybody as humans we're naturally driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed when i was looking to hire someone it was so slow and overwhelming i wish i had used indeed if you need to hire you need indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster and indeed doesn't just help you hire faster 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com podcast that's indeed.com podcast terms and conditions apply